This recording is an offering of Networks for Training and Development's online university. Welcome to today's webinar, Let's Get Comfortable. We're going to talk about exploring the intersection of assistive technologies and our sensory systems. My name is Tracy LaPreziosa, and I'm an occupational therapist, and I've been practicing for over 30 years. Uh, in the area of pediatrics and adults with de uh, developmental disabilities with sensory concerns. I'm also the coordinator for assistive technology for networks for training and development. Our webinar objectives for today are, first of all, we want to be able to identify the eight sensory systems of the body. And we want to be able to identify the body signals of sensory differences in each and every one of us. We also want to know the effects of sensory differences on daily life activities at home, work, or social situations. Sensory di differences affect us throughout our entire day in everything that we do. We are also gonna end with exploring assistive technology solutions to make life more comfortable. And when I'm referring to assistive technology, I'm referring to any type of assistive device or assistive strategy that can help somebody be more comfortable. Most of the strategies we will be discussing today will be fairly low tech. To start off, let's just think about ourselves. We are all sensory beings and we have the five sensory systems that we commonly think of, which is visual, auditory or hearing, olfactory or smell, taste, and tactile or the sense of touch. But there are really eight sensory systems. So there's three more that we wanna take a closer look at. Some of you may have already heard these, but I'm gonna review them. These are the sensory systems that not everyone is aware of. The first of these is called proprioception. And this is the sensory system where we gain information from our muscles and joints, which tell us where we are in space. This is what enables us to close our eyes and know that we are sitting or standing or lying down. Uh, it enables us to raise our arms over our head without having to watch our, our arms to make them move. We just feel and we know where they're going. Vestibular is the next sensory system and that refers to movement input. The vestibular system tells us for example, how we are moving. Are we moving in a rotary pattern? Are we moving forward or backward or side to side or up and down? It gives us the sense of how we are moving through the space around us. The last of the sensory systems is what's called interoception. And this is the sensory system that provides information from our internal organs that tell us whether we're hungry or thirsty, um, whether we need to use the bathroom, those kinds of things. But it also refers to the body signals or sensations we get from our parasympathetic nervous system that tells us whether or not we're anxious or fearful or um, you know, any of those types of things like where your heart starts beating really fast or you start to sweat. Those are all sensory signs from within our body. Sensations are all around us, and we as human beings are sensory beings. The sensations in our environment give our brains the information that we need to do the things that we need to do throughout the course of our day and to live our lives. 
sensory processing refers to our ability to take in this information through our senses and to organize it in our brain. And then our brain then interprets that information and helps us to make a meaningful response or an adaptive response or a behavior is what we do in response to getting that information into our brains. However, we are all wired differently. We are like snowflakes. No two, two of us are exactly the same. And when we look at the senses, we have to realize as well that not all senses are processed equally. Some senses may be under-processing and some senses may be over-processing the information. The result of this can be a skewed perception of the environment. So let's look at hyposensitivity. Hyposensitivity is a sensory difference where we have an under-registration of sensory input. The sensations are out there, but we're not attending to them. We just are not getting all that's out there. How do we know if a person has a hyposensitive sensory system? Well, we're going to see them engaging in activities that increase the input to that particular sensory system. So think a little bit about yourself. And do you need any extra sensory input anytime? When I think about myself, I tend to need a lot of extra tactile input. I tend to be a fidgeter. So that's one thing that I do, that I, I seek activities where I need to fidget to help get more sensory input. Some examples of what you might see in an individual who has hyposensitivity. You might see if their vestibular system is under processing. You might see seeking excessive opportunities to move, jumping, running, excessive exercising. We all know that person who has to go to the gym every single day, right? Um, we all know, we may know some people who tend to like to run from going from point A to point B rather than walking. If there's an under-processing tactile system, they may like walking barefoot anytime, anywhere, uh, enjoying getting their hands dirty, baking, crafts, woodworking, painting. Um, when we think about auditory hyposensitivity, that person might be listening to loud music. Uh, they might be a loud chewer because they like to hear that sound in their head of the chewing motion or crunching motion. Uh, eating, drinking to excess, chewing gum might be a signal that there's not enough sensation coming in through the muscles and joints in the mouth. Also, tactilely, a person who's under processing, they may not notice if somebody touches them lightly on the arm. An auditory person may not hear their name being called. You might see a lot more exploration of tactile input by rubbing hands on fabric. You might see that person who might sit and rub their hands on, you know, on their jeans or on their arm, exploring objects by touching them, having to feel everything on the desk, touching items in stores. A person who has a hyposensitive smell, they may wear their perfume too strong uh, because they may not smell things that other people do. A person who has under-responsive taste, they might really like spicy foods or salty foods, things that give their taste buds a little bit more uh, information. Under-responsive to things around them, they might trip or bump into things, not notice visual details. They may not know how they got scrapes or bruises. And a lot of times the hyposensitive person might be that thrill seeker, that person who engages in risky behavior because they like all that input. 
On the converse side of that, we have hypersensitivity, which is the over-registration of sensory information. With that, we may see anxiety, avoidance of certain activities or situations, social situations, feelings of discomfort, nausea, stress responses coming from the interoceptive sense, such as a rapid heart rate, sweating, changes in breathing. So take a minute to think, do you feel overwhelmed by too much sensory information? And in what situations do you feel overwhelmed? Some examples of behaviors that you might see with a person who has hypersensitive sensory systems might be avoidance of amusement rides or other movement activities. They may not like even to get on a treadmill or to ride a bike. They get dizzy very easily. They avoid busy stores or events when there's just too much going on around them. They may like to wear long sleeves and long pants even when it's warm outside because they don't like the feeling of the breeze on their, on their skin. They may prefer soft fabrics such as cottons and have to have the tags cut out of all of their clothes. They may not like getting a haircut or a manicure or a pedicure. They may not like standing close to other people in a line because there might be that fear of that incidental touch. They may dislike being hugged. A person who's hypersensitive might gag when they are near strong smells or when they're tasting strong flavored foods and they'll probably prefer more bland foods. This person would probably avoid wearing perfume or cologne and would avoid being around other people of reaction to it. A person who's hypersensitive to sound might hear noises at a loud, and they may also hear sounds that others do not hear, like a, like a high-pitched buzzing in a fluorescent lamp or you know, other sounds that are at a different pitch that we may not be audible to everyone. They may attend to minute visual details that others do not notice, and therefore they would have a lot of trouble focusing in a busy environment because there's too much going on. They can't attend to what they need to attend to. So let's begin talking about sensory strategies. Let's get comfortable. Think about your daily routines. What places do you like to frequent and what do you avoid? Think about your job. Are there things that you dislike about your job that could be related to how you sensory process your environment? For example, a lot of people don't like to go to loud events, busy concerts, and they would avoid that type of thing. They may not like large social situations, or if they do go, they like to be the first one there when the group is still small. And things with jobs, some people, again, need an environment that's more, that's more quiet, they might, or they might need a busy environment, they might need a job that, where they're up and moving. So just think about your own preferences about what you like to do to feed your sensory system. And let's think about your, your home or your house. Where is the most comfortable zone in your house and why? For me, the most comfortable zone in my house is a combination living room, dining room that I have that it's kind of like for company and it's very, has muted colors, it's dark tones, it's very relaxing to me and it's quiet. So that's where, that's my comfort zone. And then where are you the most uncomfortable in your home and why? For me, it's in areas where I'm not organized and I get stressed out when I see too much stuff everywhere. So that kind of makes me uncomfortable. And then lastly, think about, are there things that you would like to do, but are afraid of doing? 
Would you like to water ski, but you're afraid? Would you like to jump out, you know, do skydiving, but you're afraid? Or do a zip line, or are you afraid? Those are things that kind of tell us a little bit about our sensory processing. So we're gonna break it down and go through each sensory system and explore what makes us uncomfortable and brainstorm some strategies for auditory comfort. So take a minute to think about what makes you uncomfortable auditory stimulation wise and think about some strategies that you might need that you might do to help you with that. Take a minute to think about that. Now here are a few strategies that people that I've seen use and that I've helped others use. Uh, one is to where if you are overwhelmed by loud noises, so you might be affected by vacuuming or no blowing or lawn mowing, that you would wear maybe a muffling headphones, sound, sound uh, blocking headphones or earbuds when you would do those particular activities. In a work situation, if there's a lot of echo in an environment, I might see if there was a way that there could be sound panels placed on the walls in the work area so there's not as much sound bouncing around uh, in the workspace that would help a person to be able to focus on what they're doing. Another strategy might be to use headphones or earbuds when working on the computer you know, listening to webinars, doing whatever you have to do on the computer so that you're hearing the computer and not hearing all the background noise around you. Another strategy is simply, if possible, position, positioning your workspace away from the sources of noise, away from the windows, away from open doors in the hallway, away from noisy, chatty people. Another strategy might be portable music. Having a, a headset on earbuds in with some soft music that kind of helps kind of block other things out so that you can focus. At home, some people might use a white noise machine for helping them calm down at the end of the day for sleep. At home, you might also want to use like softer items when you're choosing your decor, like rather than having uh, things on the wall that are hard, having like uh, tapestries and things that more, are more absorbent of sound and same with kitchen tools, using kitchen tools that might have a rubber handle rather than a metal handle, um, using tablecloths and placemats to dampen the sounds of cups and plates kind of rattling around. I would recommend like having like a little rubber mat inside the sink for washing dishes. Again, takes away some of the sound. And of course, carpets, whether it's at work or at home, help to muffle sound in the work environment and the home environment rather than having a, a tiled floor or a hard um, hardwood floor. And if you do have that, if you want to cut down the sound, make sure that when you're walking around with shoes inside your house that you have like a soft sole shoe to decrease the noise level. The next sensory system is visual. And let's think about sensory strategies for visual input. So what makes you uncomfortable visually? Is it clutter? Is it lighting? Is it the fact that you can't find things? Is it sunlight? Is it glare? And think about how you can make your environment visually comfortable for you. 
So take a moment. Next, we have the visual strategies. And again, these are strategies that could be used at home or work. Lighting is typically a big issue for people who are sensitive um, visually. So we want to reduce the use of overhead lighting. So whenever possible, instead of using an overhead light, you might want to use, um, you know, lamps, uh, incandescent lamps rather than fluorescent lamps. Um, if it's in a workspace where you don't have a choice and you have fluorescent lights overhead and they're really a problem, there are fluorescent light filters, which are kind of like, like cloth or something that goes over the light and kind of mutes the, the light. If you spend a lot of time on your computer, you can adjust the colors on the computer to display what's pleasing for you. And we also want to keep computer screens away from windows because if you're sitting near a window and the sun's shining and you're going to get a lot of glare. Also, we want to look at glare on tile floors. So again, you might want to put down a rug where there might be glare coming in to a, a brightly lit hallway, especially if you're walking down a hallway in a workplace where you're maybe it's like a windows on both sides, like a catwalk and there's a lot of glare. Use color filters on computer screens and paper pages. I know a lot of times if someone has a uh, concussion that the white pages create a lot of glare and create a lot of headaches. So we would frequently ask them to use um, different sheets, like they're different just colored clear sheets that you can put over a page and they can be blue or green or yellow or pink and I would always let the person choose whatever color seems to be more comfortable for them because what's comfortable for me and my sensory system might not be what's comfortable for you. Another strategy is wearing sunglasses whenever you're outdoors or in brightly lit public places. And if there's a lot of bright lights in your workplace, maybe you, if you wear glasses, you may want to think about getting the glasses that kind of adjust to the lighting so that you don't have that bright light. Uh, you want to decrease the visual clutter in your workspace at home and at work uh, so that you can find what you need to find. Um, if you're over-processing or under-processing, visual clutter can be a problem. If you over-process, you see everything, you can't find what you want. If you're under-processing, Again, you may just not see the whole picture. <laughs> Another strategy might be to increase the visual contrast of materials that you want to be able to find quickly to alert our visual system and increase our focus. There are lots more strategies than the ones that I'm presenting with you here today, but these are just some ideas to get you started to think about what you might be able to do to um, make your life more comfortable. The next sensory system we're going to talk about is tactile or touch. So what tactile input makes you uncomfortable? And what strategies might you use to help you be more comfortable for, in regards to those things? So we're going to take a minute again to just pause and think about that. And then we'll look at some strategies. And here's some strategies for tactile processing. And these are just a few. 
that I frequently have used with people. One is encouraging people to wear soft fabrics. I like to wear soft fabrics too. It's like whatever, whatever is most comfortable for that person. Usually soft cottons, things without stiff waistbands or elastic, elastic uh, armbands could be um, more comfortable if somebody has issues with tactile sensitivity. You want to wear clothes that cover parts of the body that may touch upholstery or wooden surfaces of chairs. So a longer skirt or wearing long pants so that the backs of the legs aren't sticking on to a chair or touching some rough, maybe itchy upholstery. Compression garments are helpful for people who have significant hypersensitivity because it kind of um, puts pressure on the tactile receptors. It helps to desensitize them a little bit. Plus, if you wear a compression garment, like usually a, they're like a t-shirt or shorts, you can wear them under your regular clothes and it will keep you from having to feel clothes moving on your body, which can be irritating to some folks. There are companies out there that sell seamless socks. The seam in the toe of a sock can sometimes be very uncomfortable to someone who is hypersensitive. And also wearing comfortable shoes with soft, flexible uh, soles is important because, again, the stiffness of the shoe can feel uncomfortable or you might be able to feel the edges all the way around the shoe, you might feel that the shoe's tied too tightly. So you want to make sure that the shoe is comfortable and that it's adjusted properly and comfortably for yourself. Next thing is weighted lap pads or blankets. And it doesn't, you know, it can be weighted, but sometimes just even having like um, a shawl uh, when you're sitting at your desk to just kind of wrap around you and wrap, you know, to wrap tightly around you or put over, over your lap and tuck it in on either side of your legs, even that can be helpful. Sometimes we have used surgical, uh, surgical brushes to just kind of have them available if I need to like wake myself up. Uh, I can rub it on my arms, kind of wake up, or I can use it to desensitize my palms before I'm doing something that's going to be sticky or um, maybe something that I really don't like to do. Um, fidget items, you know, that for someone who needs to use tactile input to help them self-regulate. But some other strategies are simply wearing gloves. Some people have issues with touching paper or other surfaces at work and you could wear gloves maybe with just the fingertips cut out for uh, writing so you don't feel the side of the paper on the paper on the side of your hand if you have to do something messy and gooey maybe instead of touching it with your fingers use another type of tool um, I've used like if I've had to do some painting maybe I could use a clothespin and pinch it on a little piece of sponge and do some painting or use a long handle brush or something where I don't have to get my hands down into things. Uh, wearing gloves when I'm doing any type of gardening or cleaning where I don't like the feel of the substance that I'm working with. So gloves are a great strategy as well. The next sensory system we want to look at is olfactory or smell. And take a moment to think about uh, smells. You know, do are there smells that make you uncomfortable, or are there situations with smells that make you uncomfortable? So just take a minute to think about that, and then we'll come back and look at some strategies.
one strategy for someone who has issues with the smell is that the workspace should be away from any type of noxious odor. And noxious odors can include microwave because sometimes people are cooking foods that are really strong in odor or smells, any type of industrial smells, chemicals, cleaning materials, exhaust, um, away from areas where you would have that type of odor in your space. A lot of work at workplaces now are making the work environment fragrance free, which is great for everyone. I think if it's fragrance free, then anyone with any type of smell sensitivity would be comfortable. Although there are some people who really swear by their uh, use of their essential oils. And so we have to be careful about that because not everyone can is comfortable with essential oils. But if you're in a situation where that's not an issue, you might be able to carry a small vial of a comforting oil or a fragrance in your bag that you can use when you're when it's needed during work breaks. Um, it might help you if you are in a space where you can't be away from the noxious odors, maybe if you have a little vial of lemon or something else that you can smell. So you smell your smell and block out the other smells, or it might be a, a fragrance or smell that's kind of calming for you. In that case, some people can wear like essential oils in the necklace or the bracelet if it doesn't cause others discomfort. And examples are like peppermint and rosemary and lemon can be kind of alerting, help you stay awake, while others like lavender and orange and vanilla and chamomile and sweet majorum can be more relaxing. The next sensory area is vestibular or movement. Are you uncomfortable with movement or lack of movement throughout your daily routine? And what do you do to meet your movement needs during the day? So take a minute to think about your own habits and your own uh, likes and dislikes in regards to movement. There are a number of strategies for movement. Uh, one of them is just scheduling movement breaks into the daily routine of your job or your routine at home, where you would be making deliveries, running errands, uh, taking materials to other areas of your workspace so that you're up and moving periodically throughout the day. You might wanna vary your workspace locations and work heights so that some of your work can be done standing. Um, if you're at home, you might want to alternate between standing to wash the dishes, to sitting at your desk, to write out bills, to maybe doing some type of cleaning activity where you're down on the floor, um, so that you're constantly moving and varying your position. And at work, it might be that you have an area where you can stand up to work. You might have a desk that might, some of the technology today is that you have desks that raise up so that you might be sitting at your computer and then you can raise your computer up and you can stand up and work at your computer for a little while. Another option might be dynamic seating. And by dynamic seating, I mean some type of seating that, that allows you to move freely, like an office chair that swivels and rocks back and forth. Seeing it's like a ball inside of a chair frame and you would sit on it and um, it would allow you to have a little bit of movement. Either you can bounce up and down, you can kind of move side to side. And when you're sitting on a ball chair, it kind of, kind of facilitates all the muscles in your torso to contract. It helps work on your core strength while you're just sitting on the chair. 
And just any type of little movement on a ball makes you feel like you're moving a lot more than what you really are. So you're getting that sense of movement without really doing a lot of movement. Another option might be to place like a small cycle pedal under the desk. And what I'm referring to is a lot of times in, if you go into like a rehab clinic, you might see little cycle pedals that are on the floor in front that might be placed on the floor in front of somebody who's sitting in a chair or a wheelchair to allow them to get that pedaling motion in their legs. But those are great as well for putting under a desk uh, to have somebody have that ability to just keep moving their feet while they're actually working. Another option would be in your work area to place some of your work materials that you need on a daily basis in a high location, some in a low location, and so that you have to stretch up to reach something. And when you're stretching up to get something, you actually tilt your head back and that stimulates the, the semicircular canals in your inner ear and gives you some vestibular input. Or if you're bending over to pick up something from a bottom shelf, you're tilting that head forward, possibly inverting your head a little bit. And again, you get that sensate, that vestibular input through your inner ear, through your vestibular and semicircular canals in your, in your inner ear. So we want to have things where we're requiring us to reach and bend and squat uh, to vary our position throughout the day. Another simple thing that you can do is just take a break periodically to do neck and shoulder rolls to relax and change your head position. You know, turning your head from one side to the other, from right to left to center, and then possibly like tilting your head forward and backwards just to keep changing the position of your head. Because movement is sensed primarily through head position changes. The next sensory system is proprioception, which we said was the input to muscles and joints that lets us know where we are, how we're positioned in space, and allows us to know that without being able to actually see where our body is. So think about how aware are you of your body? Are you the kind of person who is constantly tripping over things that you're not aware of your body? Are you, when you close your eyes, you have a difficulty uh, maintaining your balance? Do you feel when you're walking, do you feel like your body's put together? Or do you sometimes feel like your arms and legs aren't really attached to you? So I want you to brainstorm some strategies that might help you increase your body awareness during the day if you think that you may not have... Um, the body awareness that you would like to have. And here's some proprioceptive strategies. Again, this is just a sampling of what you might use. There are many others out there, and I'm sure there's many that you can think of on your own, but just a few strategies are maybe using a cart that requires pushing or pulling to organize sensory input to your muscles and joints. Anytime you are compressing your joints or pulling your joints apart, you're getting a lot of sensory feedback in that particular, to that particular joint. So anything that we do that requires pushing or compressing those joints or, or pulling where they're, you're pulling, you know, pulling the joints apart will give us great input. So jobs that include lifting and moving items, again, would give nice uh, compression into the joints. 
cleaning tasks such as using a broom or a mop or spraying and washing surfaces again it's kind of like a heavy work um, you'll get that pulling pushing motion uh, compressing and decompressing the joints if you are seated uh, in a chair for a particular work task you want to make sure that there's a stable surface underfoot you want to make sure that your feet touch the floor your legs should not be dangling from a chair that's too tall if your feet are touching the floor it gives you a solid base it gives you sensory input through your feet through your legs to kind of tell you where your body is and when your body feels secure posturally you'll be able to use your arms and your hands more effectively a use of a weighted lap pad or a shawl might help Again, putting that pressure into the joints on the shoulders or on the lap, carrying items to and from work in a backpack rather than carrying bags. Because if you have a backpack on you, you have weight coming in on your shoulders and weight coming down on your hips, and it's kind of doing a little bit of spinal uh, compression as you, as you move, and that's giving you that proprioceptive input. Carrying bags on your shoulders without balancing out the weight can actually be damaging to the shoulder joint, so you don't want to do that. If you do have to carry a bag, you want to carry it kind of over the, have your arms bent and hang the handle of the bag over your forearm. Maybe you might want to try placing some resistive bands around the chair legs so that you have something to kind of push into, push down on with your feet, pull up with your feet to give you again that compression, decompression of the joints. Um, having some type of soft squishy foot rest underfoot can help too like if you, you have a stable base to support your feet touch the floor but if you have like a big squishy thing or a vestibular disc under your desk where you can put your feet on and you can kind of move your feet back and forth that would give like proprioceptive input into your ankles and your lower leg again giving you the input that you might need to help feel your body Next, we're gonna look at some oral motor strategies. And again, the oral motor encompasses like a number of different of the sensory strategies we talked about. It takes in some tactile because of texture. It takes in proprioceptive because of the amount of chewing that we do, and also takes in taste. So these strategies kind of use a number of different sensory strategies to help just with calming and alerting. And I thought I'd just kind of throw these in here because they, are good strategies for helping us stay focused during our day or stay alert to work on our the jobs that we need to do. Uh, for example, things that are more alerting oral motor wise are things like crunchy food like pretzels and popcorn and carrots. And again, you can see how with auditory that might help out because when you're crunching and chewing, it kind of blocks out the sound around you. Blowing through a straw is something that kind of helps with alerting us, just that particular motion. Eating cold foods and you know ice chips, sucking on ice are all things that are alerting. Uh, oral motor strategies that are more calming or things that are give you that, the chewy foods that are more quiet and they're not crunchy, they're chewy, such as like a bagel or a Slim Jim or gum where you're actually chewing and getting that proprioceptive input to the um, the jaws. Sucking on hard candy uh, again helps with focusing. Um, drinking a milkshake or a smoothie through a straw, anything where you're kind of sucking and or sucking through a straw actually helps bring your eyes together for focus as well. It's just a little extra tidbit of information there, but um, just 
and sometimes just chewing on specified items. So people don't like to have food at their desk. So they, you know, maybe they chew on, you know, something they have designated for chewing. There are things that are all actually called jewelry, where they're like jewelry wristbands and things that you can chew on and then you can wash them. So things like that are helpful. There are certain tastes, again, that help with um, being alert or being or helping to calm. And alerting tastes are things like sour foods, spicy foods, um, things that are carbonated, you know, fireball candies, uh, warheads, lemon are all very kind of alerting to our sensory system. And those that are more calming are maybe like this you know, sweets like chocolate, some nice warm tea, warm soup, things that just kind of are more bland tasting or more, or more calming. So to kind of sum things up a little bit, in order to make everyday comfortable for each and every one of us, we have to understand our own nervous system. And understanding your own nervous system is being able to, you know, understand the eight different sensory systems and assess our own sensory processing. What are our patterns? Identify our patterns, our, identify our sensitivities. Are, are we hypersensitive or hyposensitive? Identify like which sensory strategies help us to self-regulate and focus. What strategies help us with that? And what are the regular sensory inputs that we receive throughout our day that we can use to help us be more comfortable? Sensory input doesn't have to be something really new and different. It can be something that you already do, but you just maybe change the way you do it a little bit, like building that movement into your routine, changing the seat that you're sitting on, maybe changing what you're wearing, changing how you're listening to things like, you know, or blocking sound, just things that are throughout a regular day that we can use to help us be more comfortable. Sensory modulation occurs when we have repertoires of activities, which are like habits and rituals, which are very important to self-organizing. Many people have a morning routine. Usually our morning routine might consist of things that help wake up the body and give us more information about our bodies in the morning. Because when we wake up, we may need to stretch. Or some people do exercises, so they get that proprioceptive input. may need to move around a little bit. Um, have our coffee, which is that way to help us wake up. So they're all things that kind of help us get started into our day. And then we conversely may have another ritual that's similar or um, at the end of the day. And that ritual may focus more on unwinding our sensory system, helping our sensor sensations to be able to shut down a little bit so that we'll be able to go to sleep. So the morning we're kind of waking up our sensory systems and at night we're helping to kind of help them kind of shut down a little bit so that our body can shut down and be able to sleep a nice sound sleep to be ready for the next day. So after um, learning about the eight sensory systems and being able to identify your own sensitivities, hyper or hypo, and reviewing some of the strategies for each of the different sensations as we did as a basic overview, take some time to think about and identify three ways that you can adapt your home environment to increase your comfort level. And identify three ways that you can adapt your work environment to increase your comfort level.
And we would love for you to share these ideas. You know, maybe you could send an email and tell us what you've done for your home or your work environment, sensory-wise, what you've changed to make your um, sensory environment more comfortable, to make you more comfortable throughout your day. So what is your comfort zone and how can you get there? Thank you so much for joining our webinar and feel free to contact me with any questions. My email is tracyl at networksfortraining.org. Um, or you can go to our website, www.networksfortraining.org, to find out more uh, opportunities for webinars and continuing education. And you can like us and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. That would be great. So thank you for joining us today, and have a wonderful week. Thank you for listening. We hope the information provided was helpful. Don't forget to stop by our website and take advantage of all we have to offer. If you want to be kept informed of upcoming events, subscribe to our channel to be kept up to date on our future programs. Click on the link provided in the description if you wish to receive emails about our upcoming events and offerings.